Hi guys, welcome to your next session of Your Health is Lit. <laughs> so we are so excited today. We have Dr. Brittany Blue with us. Hi. Um, she is going to talk to us about prematurity in Black America and how prematurity rates are affecting us. Today is National NICU Nurses Day. Yes. Happy uh, National NICU Nurses Day. Woo-hoo! Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Yes. I labor of love. That's all I can say. I can talk about it all day. We could. We have so many stories. Yeah. We're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna talk. Um, so I'm gonna let Brittany introduce herself and oh, oh yes. yeah. <laughs> well, hi, my name is uh Brittany Blue, or some know me as Dr. Brittany Blue. And uh yes, I um I'm a neonatologist and I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But but first I am a uh, a wife and I'm a mom and yeah. a Georgia Peach. So hey. uh, uh, I had been all around the place. So I, I grew up in Georgia and then uh, went to uh, New Orleans for undergrad. And I am a Katrina survivor. Wow. And then um, we, we, could, we could. Yeah. Yeah, we could. Uh, went to a medical school at a place called Meharry Medical College. Shout out to the HBCUs. Hey. Yes. Yeah. And uh, there I met my, uh, my husband and my classmate, Brandon. Um, yeah, I didn't know this love story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we were classmates, yeah. So he was my study buddy, and then he asked me to marry him. It was a long story for another time, but um, <laughs> yeah. So then, then after medical school, uh, we had to continue our training. So we that's when we relocated up to St. Louis, yeah, um, where we did our residency, and he did adult medicine, and I stayed with pediatrics. Um, and then I did three years of that. And then following that, I, um, wanted to continue my training in, um, a subspecialty called neonatology. Um, but I stayed in St. Louis for an additional, gosh, three more years, uh, for training with that. Um, and that's what I do right now. And, and that's how I met you. Yes. That's how we were babies. Met. We were like babies in our career. Oh, I was a goodness. patient care tech and you yes. were a resident. <laughs> Charla met me when I was still well rested. <laughs> and um excited and I'm still excited but it was a different kind of excitement yeah. I was like I'm gonna save all these babies you're like yes, oh y'all naive, do anything you need a naive and- <laughs> type of excited and um yeah Charlotte seen me at my worst yeah <laughs> uh, but, but you know we we, we kind of we grew up together we actually. so we yeah she started out as a as a tech mm-hmm. on the on the pulmonary floor yeah and, uh, and I rotated through there. And then we, we came together again long-term in the NICU, in the NICU. which was a uh, very yes. near and dear to both of yes. us. Oh my gosh, so many crazy nights. Yes, wonderful nights, but crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And then, um, and then, you know, it was just meant to be for us to be close together. Yeah. So, and then I re- relocated here to Tampa. I guess she thought, I said, Brittany, you better come moving. You better come to Tampa. And then she said, yeah, she knew before everybody <laughs> yeah. else knew like, that we were move. planning on moving. Probably like a year or two. I was like, okay, I'll be waiting. Uh, so yeah. now, look at us. Yeah, so we are uh, honoring this month, I guess. Yeah. This special day by uh, talking about prematurity. Yes, yes. So, um, I know Donna wanted to talk more about um, what neonatology was. Yeah, so what is a neonatologist for those who don't know? 
Yes, excellent question. So a neonatologist is a doctor who specializes in taking care of newborn babies and premature babies and, and critically sick or really, really ill um, newborn babies. So we take care of babies that are born on time that come out who are just really sick, whether it's breathing issues, issues with the brain, issues with the heart, the gut, any organ system really. Um, and we also take care of babies who are born too soon. So babies potentially born essentially three months before their due date, we can take care of. Um, so that's what a neonatologist is. So we, we primarily work within the hospital in the acute setting, um, but there are some places where we will actually follow babies after they've graduated from a NICU. So oh, when they graduation. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so when babies get well enough to leave um, their hospital stay, we will sometimes follow them afterwards um, because it's important to see how they grow and develop afterwards. So sometimes there are a couple of toddlers I've followed um, previously. So. Um, so Brittany and I both took care of Kiaden. I know yes. everybody was like yes. so impressed with the segment that we did um, with kindness. So shout out to kindness because yes. we all love that your segment baby. was awesome. Yeah, yes. we all love your baby. Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of people don't realize like how much prematurity affects our community. So can you just kind of discuss like the percentage differences between like prematurity in black communities versus white communities? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think you touched on this actually in the last video. So, so a full-term pregnancy is essentially 40 weeks. Um, so a premature baby is anything less than 37 weeks. Um, and usually when you tow that line, those babies come out and they look relatively normal. Um, but anything less than 37 weeks is what we consider premature. And we know that those babies, if, even if they act normal, they, they don't do things completely the same as a baby who's born on time. Um, and so prematurity affects essentially 10% um, of all births in, in the United States. Um, but what we do know is that premature, prematurity disproportionately affects African-American um, females or women in general. Um, and so what does that mean? So, um, so when you look at those numbers, essentially 16% of babies born to African-American women are premature. As opposed to Caucasians, I think that number is closer to 9% or 8%. Um, That's almost that is, that is. Yeah. And in fact, if you're African-American, you're like 50 or 60% more likely to have a premature baby than your white counterparts. Yeah. Um, and it's, and that's really, it's, that's really hard to, to figure out why that is. And a lot of people have studied it. Um, but it's, 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 it's absolutely unacceptable that, that something as simple as, as race can, can affect, you know, your chances of being born premature right. and ultimately, you know, the layout for your entire life. Right. Right. Um, so what are some things that we can do? to like to modify, you know, some of like, or what are some risk factors? What are some risk factors to prematurity just to even begin with? Like, That's a good question. So, you know, um, a big, a big um, risk factor is, is socioeconomic status and, and having the ability to, to have good routine, regular follow-up um, with your obstetric, I can't speak. Your OB. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so having good follow up with your with your doctor before the baby even comes out. 
Um, and so if you're, if, if you're having a hard time having access to that care, mm-hmm. um, that's going to put you at higher risk uh, for having a baby prematurely. And, you know, before we even go on, one, one of the things I did want to mention that is really important is developing a rapport with your doctor before your mm-hmm. baby comes out. And yeah. I know um, one of the big things that has kind of been in the news lately is these celebrities who have something called toxemia. Oh yeah, Beyonce, yeah. the Beehive, <laughs> yes. and Serena. Yes. <laughs> it was, so. it was, it was. Yeah, so, so, so that's, that's a big deal, right? Because mm-hmm. like, so one, if you are busy taking care of your family, or if, if you are having issues with transportation and you can't even, you don't have, you don't have a car and your only means of transportation is a bus or walking, um, it's hard to put yourself first and get to these doctor's appointments. Um, and so that's one thing because when you're, when you're pregnant, you know, your doctor needs to monitor you for certain things. Right. Um, and if any of these things start to get kind of out, out of balance and out of whack, then, then it's hard to pick up on that. And then two, I think, us as as black females we are natural providers we are nurturers and we typically put ourselves last and we we oftentimes ignore our own symptoms because we're so busy in taking care of other people right and you really can't do that when you're pregnant because it puts your life in danger and it puts your baby life in danger um so yeah so socioeconomic status can can play a role into this um but i will say people have looked at it they've broken it down so so if you have someone who lives in a low income home who's black and who is a low income household who is white, um, the chance of prematurity is going to be higher for that black individual still. But we can, wow, but here's the thing, but here's the other thing too. Us, you know, and I'm sure as a lot of our, our listeners out here um, who are professionals, who are well-educated, when you correct for those factors, there's still something there. So right. in comparison to our white counterparts, we are still at higher risk for right. prematurity. Right. And that's the factor that people can't figure out what it is. Right. Um, but, um, but it's, you know, that's another reason why it's important to follow up with, with your doctor prenatally, because um, you also want to make sure that your doctor and you have developed that rapport. Right. Because when you present yourself you want somebody who can advocate for you when you are feeling off. Cause sometimes it might not be anything measurable. Mm-hmm. It just might be something you feel that is different. And you want to be able to have a doctor who goes to bat for you. And that only happens when you, when you've done your research, you've vetted who is taking care of you and you've had routine follow-up. So that person has gotten right. to know you as well. Right. Cause as, as much as I would hate to say it, there are plenty of times when women have no prenatal care yes. and they show up to a place like an emergency room mm-hmm. and they're telling someone who does not know them that they feel off or different. And a lot of times their symptoms are downplayed. Right. And that's where we, mm-hmm. we, we we can sometimes run into issues as well. I think a big thing, I know like speaking to patients that don't have prenatal care. So in my current position, I round in the morning and so I go see the babies. I'm not, I no longer do the NICU. I will send your baby to the NICU if your baby starts cutting up. But we, we <laughs> I will. I'm like, and I'm like, you need to go upstairs. Um, so I go, but I go through the charts and I have to search the prenatal Mm -hmm. history. And there are so many, you know, patients that don't have prenatal care or that have comorbidities. If you're not taking care of your blood pressure, like before you're pregnant, it's going to be an issue 
while you're pregnant. Like it amplifies any issues that you have. And so we have these, you know, these moms that come and they like they're before they're even pregnant, they have like hypertension, diabetes, glaucoma, like all of these mm-hmm. things. And they're taking these medications and all of that plays into part. So I think, you know, even before you start to plan a pregnancy, like you need to make sure that you have like your health together, period. Which is why we talk, we have these conversations. Like I have hypertension. There are things, there are steps that I have to take, you know, to make sure that whenever we decide that we're going to have babies, shout out to my mom because she's here for you every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are just steps that I have to take, and you know, I we and every time I go, even for my well women exams, there are a lot of especially black women that don't even go for their yearly naps. Like, go, go, yeah. because in those visits, you know, me and my me and my OB, we always talk about okay, what's the plan on babies? What are we gonna do? Like, we've already had that conversation, mm-hmm. and she's even had that conversation with my husband to prepare him for like, this is what we're going to do, why we're going to do it, because it's a lot easier to take that information in when you're not in the situation. Yes. And so I think taking care of those comorbidities early um, can definitely, like definitely play a role. Like, you need to take care of yourself before the baby's even Exactly. There. And that's, that's actually an excellent point. Like, so prenatal care happens before you get pregnant. So taking your prenatal vitamins, you're actually supposed to start taking those three months before you plan mm-hmm. on becoming pregnant. Oh, wow. And that's, yeah, and that's even if this is a, a planned pregnancy. Right. Um, so if you're a woman in childbearing age, most obstetricians will tell you to just, just take a prenatal vitamin because right. you don't know when you're going to get pregnant. Exactly. And, um, and, you know, prenatal vitamins are important. They have things like iron in it. They have things like folic acid. Um, and, and those are important all for babies development. So, um, so yeah, I think that that is an excellent yeah. point that, that the prenatal care starts even before yep. you're pregnant, um, and taking care of yourself. And I think you were one of the other things you were mentioning or, you know, cause it is, it is kind of a catch 22 where as black women, we're at higher risk. And there is some factor out there that for whatever reason we're higher. And even if we try to control for things like education, socioeconomic status, that we can't completely eliminate. Um, but there are a couple of other things we can do to help. So, so one of those other things is um, avoiding teen pregnancy. So, so teenagers are at higher risk of having babies prematurely, as well as having all kinds of other issues that kind of go along with being a, a teenager with a baby. Um, and so, so if you're a teen, protect yourself, like know your health, get tested, because you don't know what your partner's doing, get tested frequently, and, um, and protect yourself, know what, you know, bring the condoms with you, don't wait for your male partner to bring the condoms, already be proactive about it, if you made the decision, you shouldn't have be sex. having sex, <laughs> <laughs> but if you are, they should protect Thank themselves, you. Thank you, because we yeah. try to promote, we try to promote yeah. abstinence, so but we don't pro- yeah. promote yeah. contraceptives, and that's the big right. thing yeah. that we need yeah. to do. That's so this yeah. is the conversation that I have with my teens. Are you having sex? The mm-hmm. safest way to be is to not have sex. Okay. If you are going to mm-hmm. have sex, you need to talk to your mom, mm-hmm. somebody, because when you decide to do adult things, we have to have adult conversations i had an eight mm-hmm. year old in my office who told like who we she's pregnant like so she came in she thought she's pregnant she's pregnant and so i was talking to her of course she was a young black girl and i said so what are you going to do like what are you doing first like school are you still in high school like what's going on are you and dad together are y'all going to get married and she said girl we too young to get married you too young, too young to be having a baby <laughs> <laughs> 
things, you shouldn't have sex. So I always promote abstinence, but then I always say, like, but if you're going to do it, you need mm-hmm. to talk to somebody about right. it. Right. Because you're like, Give them oh, those I, options. I don't want to talk to nobody about it. Then you can't, like, if you are going to do adult things, there are adult conversations that need to mm-hmm. happen. Correct. Correct. Agree. And, don't, and don't be afraid <laughs> to talk to your parents yeah. about it. That's the thing. And parents, don't be afraid to talk to your children about it. Right. Oftentimes, and I'm sure you're starting to see this too, when I, when I used to do general pediatrics and I would see teenagers in the office, you know, a lot of teenagers actually don't quite understand sex. They and don't. unfortunately, the school system doesn't teach it in a way that right. is that makes it comfortable to talk about. And I think in our community, it's like, no, we know babies in my house. Right. The end. <laughs> like, that, like, they know sex before marriage. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> a lot of parents are like, sex, don't do it. Yeah. And that's the end of the conversation yeah. when it's really like, look, I know you're getting a tingle in your body and you want to know. Yeah. Why. And I'm telling you, it's not worth it. Like, I had a 15 year old in my office and I was like, girl, whatever the boys are telling you, I'm just here to tell you it's a lie. <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> They're lying because I was like, there's so many things, and, you know, and I try to like, you know, of course they laugh at me, but we try to have those conversations, even in my five to 10 minutes of seeing these kids to tell them like, you know, I know what they're saying. I'm telling you, girl, 10 years from now, you will be like, oh, I remember what she told me. That was a lie. Right. Like, it's a lie. So, you know, just trying to, to kind of make the, the atmosphere to where we can talk about that kind of stuff, right. about what right. boys are saying and all of that, because a lot of moms, when I ask the teenagers, like, they, like, I'll ask them, like, you know, is, is there anything that you need to talk to me about, like, your mom in the room, or, you know, anything going on with your body that you have questions about, and we just do this awkward, like, three-way <laughs> here, they're like, nah, like, you know. But you, it's I, okay, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay to it ask, is. it's okay to, we encourage you to have your parents in the room when you talk about it, but it's also okay to ask them to step out. Right. What we want you to do is to have the conversation with somebody. With somebody. That's an adult. I think we need to normalize it because it's yeah. normal. People think that is not normal. Because right. I will, in our community, it is not like mom. Yeah. Like, not be having sex. Even so. me, I didn't even have the sex conversation with my parents. Yeah. Which yeah. I wish I would have. So I don't know. I guess it's just maybe an African American thing where we don't talk to our kids about sex and we just kind of brush it under the rug. So if I don't do it, don't bring no babies in my house. Yeah. <laughs> in high school mm-hmm. i mean and i asked with that same girl I was like so how did your mom feel and she's like well, she's just happy after finished high school and i'm like i was just like dang like that that bar is so low like the, yeah the expectation like no yeah no. And, and i'll even push you a step further so i start this conversation when they're 10 11 12 yeah because the thing is you want to talk to them before it has happened and unfortunately even at 10 11 12 it's already happened they are there was a um a sermon that i was watching and the pastor was talking about how we don't talk about sex in the church and he said if you don't think that your sixth grader isn't already knowing or Mm -hmm. doesn't know anything about sex Mm -hmm. you're wrong right and he's finding it out from other sixth graders right so either we're going to have the conversation with these kids or we're gonna let other ten right. other people right. talk to them about sex, and they right. have no like no real knowledge. Exactly. So we have to take control of that. Yeah. That's, so this is our yeah. challenge to you, to you parents out there of teenagers. Yeah. Have that conversation. Have that conversation. Yeah. And that's where they're scared. Right. Some, some people are so scared, like they're like. <laughs> but you know, then we so whenever a lot of um, we do a lot of screening tests. So when our teenagers come in, we usually screen them for gonorrhea, chlamydia. Um, because I work in inner city. So uh, everybody over a certain age gets a gonorrhea and chlamydia screen. And when I was working out 
um, up like up north before where I was at now, it, the kid was like 14. And he denied, mm-hmm. denied, denied, denied. And then I had to call him and his mama back. And I was like, I need you guys to come in because you're doing something. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing yeah. something. And you know, and, and a lot of it too is, is and you know this would be a great next series that we yeah. can talk about yes. is oh yeah what diseases are curable what aren't curable yeah and like what is sex yeah because there's we different there's, that's a good topic i, I like that I, 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 we were out here <laughs> that's education 101 yes but, but it is because yes. there are a lot of kids out there doing stuff that they don't think is sex yeah but it is yeah. oh he just no, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> right. Yeah, but he just it is. Da, 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 da. I'm like that's sex. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you're still exposing yourself to diseases. Exactly. exactly. It doesn't take for like intercourse to happen for you to exactly. be exposed to diseases. And, and condoms don't protect you against everything. Either. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. But not you know what thing. does? Not have accidents. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yes. So anyway, I think I think we, we went on a little segue. I think we did too. So so being a, a teen uh, a teenager increases your risk of prematurity. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that do it is um, if you are not waiting enough time between pregnancies. So so typically the my OB colleagues typically recommend waiting at least six months of, of uterine rest from having your last baby to starting to get pregnant with your other ones. So if you're having babies back to back and you're not allowing good time for your uterus and your cervix to kind of go back to what it was doing. Snap back. Exactly. <laughs> you're putting yourself at risk for, for prematurity. Um, for parents out there who are doing things like IVF, um, in vitro fertilization, that puts you at higher risk. Um, multiples, so if there are twins or triplets, that puts you at higher risk as well. Um, so those are some of the common things that put you at risk. Now, along with comorbidities, so things like obesity, um, uh, high blood pressure will also put you at risk for preterm. People don't think obesity is like, they're like, oh, no, like they don't think that's a big deal. Oh, Fat yeah. babies don't automatically mean that they're, that they're well. Correct, correct. But sometimes the big ones are the yes. worst. Yes. <laughs> <They're> the worst. <laughs> yeah. so there, there could be a lot of issues with that. So we, yeah. do, have, we do have premature babies who are quote bigger um and 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 we also have premature babies who are born to moms who are diabetic whose diabetes are so bad the the babies actually aren't born bigger they're actually born smaller Mm -hmm. and and we actually run into a lot of issues with that as well yeah yeah and trying to regulate their sugars i just think when people see big babies like oh that baby's healthy no no not not all the time (laughs) not all the time no that's no no michelin man's should not be showing up like that lady that has a 12 pound baby <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> yeah like, I was like that baby is that's a toddler yes but, no yeah no. so how does prematurity affect children long term yeah so that so that's a that's a good question so um it does depend on how premature that they are um, one of the biggest issues that we run into with premature babies is breathing issues. So babies' lungs take time to mature. And the earlier that they're born, the less mature those lungs are. Um, and so sometimes this means babies need support as far as like oxygen and pressure when they're born. And sometimes they need a lot of help. So those babies who are born closer to a month or two months 
um, before their due date sometimes need the help of like a breathing tube to help them breathe. Um, and I know one of the things we had talked about um, in the last series with like kindness in regards to um, Kaden was he had something called bronchopulmonary dysplasia. And that just basically means that the lungs developed abnormally because they had to learn how to adapt with him being on the outside instead mm -hmm. of on the inside. Yeah. Um, and when you have a really severe case of that, sometimes babies do need tracheostomies or breathing tubes up here in their necks to help them out with that. And that could be a lifelong issue. So that means these babies are at higher risk of things like asthma. And a lot of times they present with symptoms that are similar to asthma. Um, when they get things like the common cold that you and I would get, and, and, you know, it knocks us out for a couple of yeah. unless, you know, you have asthma. No, but I was going to say, I just remember, do you remember when we had to shut down the NICU for siblings coming? Yeah. Because somebody brought, like, somebody's sibling brought a cold virus. Yeah. And it literally, oh was, it will kill a NICU baby. It can baby. kill a NICU baby. And so we had to, like, stop letting siblings come. I just was thinking, like, oh, my gosh, I just see yellow gowns yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Everybody's on isolation. <laughs> like, because literally these babies, like, a cold, that to where you just don't feel good, it will kill it. It, it can kill them. Yeah. And, and, you know, we are approaching flu season now and, and they're, yes. they're actually starting to see cases of the flu now in Florida. And so the flu virus is going to be the most severe in babies who are essentially less than three years old. And, and by most severe, I mean like, this isn't just like, oh, I feel terrible for a couple of days. We're talking about breathing issues, oxygen, ventilators, pneumonia, death. So this is this is a real this is a big deal, um, and so so this is one of the issues that that faces um, babies who are born premature, um, and a lot of stuff that they can out they can outgrow. Um, so so premature babies who do have breathing issues when they first come out, they could still live relatively full and healthy mm -hmm. lives, but there is still going to always be some component of breathing issue that's always there. It just kind of depends on the severity. Um, the other things that premature babies are at risk for are, um, depending on how young they are, could be uh, like bleeding issues, particularly in their brain. Um, so depending on how premature they are, those blood vessels just aren't fully developed. Um, and so sometimes you'll hear people talk about something called cerebral palsy. And, and there's really a spectrum. So really pure cerebral palsy is like an issue of tone and muscles. And, um, and, and not necessarily with, with, with thinking. So when you see people who have tightness and stiffness in their arms and legs, that's what we refer to as cerebral palsy. Now, depending on the type of bleed and where it is, it can place a premature baby at risk for developmental issues and cognitive or thinking issues. And that's where you see the kids who are also having learning disabilities. So Prematurity in itself will put a baby at risk for that, even if they don't even have a brain bleed. Um, and, and that's important because, you know, as they continue to grow up and go through school, you know, we really want to make sure that our, our kids and our young folks are out there and we're, we're optimizing their learning. Um, and so having a, having, having, being disproportionately affected by prematurity also places our, our kids at higher risk for, for those learning, learning issues. ADHD. Right. ADHD. Um, yeah autism spectrum, um, and like I said, cerebral palsy as well. Um, and there, there are a couple of other issues that, that can go along that affects babies who are born prematurely. Essentially, every single organ system can be affected. The heart, the gut, the skin, um, and, and infection. Um, can affect a premature baby. Um, but those are some, those are just some yeah, of the Yeah, infection there. is really, 
like something really big that that's why I was like oh man we need to put all those babies in isolation mm-hmm. because it's because their immune systems are not um fully developed like we have to be even more careful um with just exposing them to things which is why we're gonna we're about to do this we're about to take a segue again oh let's do it <laughs> let's do it which is why you need to vaccinate your kids yes before you send them into yes. my NICU to these babies that don't have a choice um what do you say to your patients when they say oh I don't get my flu shot because I got it and it made me sick so so it all goes back to like what is a flu shot and what is in it so basically i want you to think of like a present okay so think of a present that's wrapped up wrapped up in a bow (laughs) so you a flu shot can make you feel a little off but it will not give you the flu so a flu shot is essentially i'm presenting you with the package so there's actually no gift in your present but it's it's the box and it's the bow right because your body is recognizing the outside of that present so if you're encountered with the flu shot which is the present with the gift inside that sick gift inside oh. your body's like i've seen that present before and i know that present's no good yeah so i don't want that so your body attacks it with antibodies and it takes time this is why we we, we recommend the flu shot because when you present somebody with the flu shot, it tells your body to create these antibodies. And that just takes time. That doesn't happen instantaneously. But that response that's happening where you're making these antibodies, that's that feeling sometimes people get when they feel a little off, they feel a little bit achy after their flu shot. It's because actually your body thinks that it's encountered the flu, but it hasn't. So it's mounting that response. So that way, when you do a couple of weeks later, you know, you're walking in the store, you put your hand on that Publix cart <laughs> and you touch the hand of somebody who has, you know, touch the, the, the surface where somebody has the flu. Your and then body, you rub your nose. Exactly. And now you've introduced yourself to the flu. Exactly. You're, you don't, yeah, you don't get the flu. Exactly. Because your body is already seeing the package. Right. So those antibodies are already floating around. They stick to it and they don't allow that virus to enter the cells and cause the disease. So the first thing I say is, you know, you know, why? Why don't you want to get the flu shot? And that's a common thing. And so that's easy. Like the flu shot just doesn't give you the flu. Somebody told me this week, Yahweh told you not to get it. And I was like, no, no. Don't be lying on my Jesus. No, no, no. Exactly. These are the answers that I get every day. No, 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 no. And I mean, this is just, this is, this is just a different way of presenting it to you. This is a direct way of presenting it to your body. Right. This is like, you know, being exposed to a, a something, a germ, let's just say a germ per se, when you go and you touch a doorknob, like, but we're being intentional with what we're presenting to your body. Right. And we're actually using that intention that Yahweh gave you yeah. in a way that will protect you. Yeah. And so, and so, so that's one of the reasons. The other thing is to, people will be like, well, I just don't get the flu. I've never gotten the flu. So the flu is a different strain every year. So the outside of that package, it changes every year. One year it's a red covering, one year it's a green covering, one year it's got sparkles. Some years it's more virulent or more sickening than other years. And so it can change from season to season. And so that's why you have to get it every year. Because what they do is the CDC looks across the world and see what kind of flu strains that they're getting over there. And they say, well, in six months, we're going to get that strain. What are they seeing? Are they seeing more flu A? Are they seeing more flu B? We're going to try to create a vaccine 
that is going to specifically cover the ones that we're seeing across the way. Yeah. Now, what you might hear on the media is that a particular flu, uh, a flu shot doesn't completely cover the right. vaccine because we're guessing. And, and that's the truth is we're, we, we have epidemiologists, people who study it, and they try their best to guess what kind of strain is it's going to hit here. us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, the chances of it, of us getting it is like 80%. Sometimes it's 60%. Either way, even if we, if we miss it, it's still better than not having the flu shot because right. your the illness you get won't be nearly as sick as if you never got That's the flu shot about. in the first place. It helps lessen the symptoms. Exactly. Like even if you do get a flu, a strain of the flu that isn't included in the flu shot, you probably only feel sick for a couple days before right. you ending up in the ICU on a ventilator. Like the flu killed right. 180 kids, just kids, 180 last season. Yeah. So let me ask you something. So last week at work, we're doing a flu initiative and I had a patient who said that she doesn't get the flu shot because she's allergic to eggs. So she's not getting the flu shot. So have you ever heard of that? Actually, yeah, I think there, yeah, if you're allergic to eggs there, I think there's the main, the main, um, the main, um, that's not what I'm thinking. Yeah, the one of the main component, one of the main ingredients is like egg base. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to, I honestly have to go back and look, but I think there are some preservatives that don't contain that particular Yeah, because I was going to say something came okay. out. I'll post, I'll, that's actually a really good question. Yeah. I will post. Um, and that is a legit thing. That yeah. is a legit thing to say, but I think there, there are. They're coming away from using the egg base because right. okay. I have to ask, because we just got an email where they said the egg thing is no longer an issue. So I have to look at it. Yeah. It was Friday. Yeah. We can follow up on that. But there, yeah. I mean, you can't, because if you do have a true allergy to the flu shot, then that's different. Because, right. mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to put your life at risk. Right. You know. And but if I, you have a true allergy, though, then you are really, you know, counting on the rest of us. Correct. To get mm-hmm. that. Was my next point. Because you cannot. Yeah. Right. And this, and this kind of, you know, and we'll, we'll do this another day going into <laughs> your whole measles and all the other oh my gosh. vaccines. We're here for it. But, <laughs> but. There, there is something called herd immunity. And, 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 and the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of people out there who just cannot get the flu shot. So children less than six months yep. aren't able to get the flu shot. Mm-hmm. These are our babies who are at higher risk, the highest risk of getting sick. Mm-hmm. People who are immunocompromised, people who have cancer, yeah. people whose children and adults and teenagers who genetically don't even have an immune system who aren't able to get the flu shot. These are the people we need to be protecting. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, you might have, you know, you might think that Yahweh doesn't want you to get it. That's not, that's not the fact. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really that, that there are some people who physically cannot get it and they're depending on people like uh-huh. us to get the shot, to, get the shot, to yeah. protect them and to protect yourselves. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of protecting ourselves, I know we kind of touched on it on like how self-care can roll into, you know, the prematurity risk because we don't take care of ourselves. What are some things that we can modify? Like, what are some, if somebody's like, okay, I know we have this risk. What are some things that our listeners can take and say, okay, oh yeah, I can do that. I know we talked about taking a prenatal vitamin. Mm-hmm. Just take, like, take one every day, even if you're on birth control, like just take it. Cause you never yeah, know. You never know. Birth um, control I'm, is not a hundred percent. Yeah. So I know we talked about like, you know, taking a prenatal vitamin every day in those childbearing years, which is like what, like 18 to, or would you recommend teenagers? I mean, probably not teenagers cause they, right. though technically they are childbearing, but you know, yeah. 18 until, I mean, 
people are having babies later and later. Yeah, so, so that is more of an OB question, but yeah. certainly if you're, you know, less than 45, you should be taking a prenatal vitamin. Okay. Um, it's probably not a bad idea to take one. Yeah. So what other things can they, like, can people modify? Um, in regards to like modifying their risk for premature. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I talked about it a little bit earlier. One is, is making sure you develop a relationship with an OB doctor. Um, and that's important because, you know, if you become pregnant, ideally they want to see you within that first trimester. And that's before, you know, week 12 and less. Um, and that's for multiple things, but uh, making sure that you, you routinely follow up with your doctor. Um, and then taking care of yourself. So it's hard because we're always busy. We're on the we're on the run all the time. We're taking care of everybody else, but making good healthy choices. If you smoke, you know, at least reducing it. At least trying to reduce. Ideally, trying to quit because you know smoking also affects your baby in utero, but also once they're born, it can also affect them. Um, you know, taking care of blood pressure issues. If you do have high blood pressure, you know, trying to work out, drink plenty of water, being on the right medications for that. Um, i trying to think of what else really will help modify for it. Um, and not ignoring your symptoms. So if you feel off, if you're pregnant and you have a headache or, you know, things look a little blurry mm -hmm. or you're seeing spots, if, if you feel more puffy or swollen, like don't, don't, just go get checked out. Don't try to make excuses for those symptoms. Don't say, oh, you know. I ate you know. Fritos today. So. Exactly, right? I ate water. I ate more salt. No, like go get, go get that checked out because, because the babies who do the best are those that are brought to attention sooner instead of at the last minute. Um, and so, so not ignoring your, your symptoms and getting checked out sooner than later will help you out. And, and knowing that you have a doctor that is going to advocate for you because they know you is also going to be really helpful with that as well. Yeah. yeah. I know we kind of talked about Beyonce and Sonia. <laughs> a little bit. First of all, I love, like, I love Beyonce. Me and my sister, we are, we are beehive members with gold cards. Uh, oh boy. Gold cards. <laughs> I remember but for people that don't know, you know, what happened in their pregnancies, can you kind of like shed light on what toxemia is and why it was, it really was a big deal, mm -hmm. even though they look amazing now. Yeah. I need that. Yeah. That snatch bag. Yeah. But, but they really were at risk and their babies were really at right. risk. It really was severe. Um, right. For sure. Right. Yeah. So, so toxemia is like an old term for something called preeclampsia. Um, and we don't, know what causes preeclampsia. We know that black women are at higher risk for getting preeclampsia. Uh, but essentially what happens is your blood pressure gets really high. Your blood pressure gets really high. Um, you can potentially have some inflammation of your liver. You can start, um, your kidneys become more leaky. Um, and, and that's essentially what makes you more puffy. And that's why you start, people start seeing more puffiness. Um, and sometimes it can lead to headaches. Um, and it can lead to blurry vision because your blood pressure is so high. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's dangerous is because preeclampsia could put you at higher risk for something called eclampsia. And that's all those symptoms plus seizures. seizures. I was like, yeah. yes. And that, is, and, that is, and that is very bad. That is very bad because obviously if you're having seizures, you're compromising, one, your brain, and two, your oxygen, not only to yourself but to your baby. Um, and so, you know, I, I didn't keep up with all the tabloids with them, but Beyonce was at high risk because one, she's black, 
or Creole or yeah. you know, French. <laughs> yes. But and she had twins. So that yeah. puts her at risk. And her. she's older. How old is she? She's still like what, 36? Oh, don't put her out there. I, that's not old. That's she's not old. No, what do we consider no, Emmy's age? Emmy is 35, 35. But I didn't Oh wow, play. okay. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so I guess my clock is ticking. Yes. yes. And then yeah, and this, maternal age is a risk factor. Exactly. And yeah. first time mom. Yeah. So Serena was at risk for it because she's black and she was a first time mom. Right. And so those types of things put you at risk for, for um, preeclampsia. Yeah. yeah. And what's crazy is like, they work out, like they're mm-hmm. in shape. They're like, they do, they, they do everything. Right. Yeah. They're in, like, they like, they're in shape right. and it still happened to them. Right. So that's really, I mean, I do love Beyonce, but that really to me is like, <laughs> Dang, like even Serena, like Serena. Nobody is, is immune to mm-hmm. nobody right. is they, they work out. It's not just, you know, it's not just people in the community that they have money, so it's mm-hmm. not socioeconomic status. Like and they have chefs and all of that access to things that we don't have and it's still right. happened to them. Right. Um, right. So that's why it's important. And here's the like other thing too, uh, not a whole lot of people know is so the way you treat preeclampsia is you deliver your baby. That's how, that's how you get rid of it, essentially. So, so sometimes that means babies are born prematurely. And mm-hmm. if it's caught when the baby is at term, then you deliver the baby. But there are a couple people who actually have preeclampsia afterwards. It can happen up to six weeks after delivery. So even after you had your baby, if you feel a little off, but you're trying to be a super mom and do everything for the baby, don't ignore your symptoms. And this is also why it's important to have that follow-up after you've delivered mm-hmm. your baby, yeah. um, because you're still at risk for for different diseases and things yeah. that are out there. And I think it's hard too, just like culturally, you know, um, some of the research that I was doing, a lot of Black moms, particularly in like lower socioeconomic, you know, statuses, they don't have the jobs to where they can get the time off to fully recover. Mm-hmm. They have to get back to work. A lot of moms, they're single moms, so they don't even have the support system around them mm-hmm. to where they have people that can say, "Girl, you look." puffy like are you right like something was something looks you know they have to go back to work because they have to feed these kids because they have all of these other things that they have to do and you know i just always tell patients like what will your kids do if you are not here exactly like yes but that's horrible about the job and all of that but your kids need you here like what would you do and i actually had a really scary situation with a mom um, a couple weeks ago in the hospital, and of course I'm not going to divulge because hit that hip, all right. But it was really scary just to hear all all of her comorbidities played a part, and she ended up having to like like go to like to the big ICU afterwards. Mm-hmm. So like she wasn't like by the time we left with the baby, she wasn't even well, and she had a number of kids. And I'm like, dang, like if she doesn't make it, what is going to happen to all of these babies? Mm-hmm. Like all of these babies are now going to be motherless. And so, you know, I definitely think like spacing out the pregnancies and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like birth control, but oh yeah, do something. Yes. <laughs> and, and if you've had a baby, your doctor should be asking you, right, while you are still in the hospital, what you're planning on doing for birth control. Right. And if they're not asking you, you should be telling them what your plan is. And it shouldn't just be at that time abstinence yeah <laughs> I mean, it, should be, it should be but it should also be something else the pull-out method is not that that does not <laughs> it's not it does not that's work. ridiculous yeah, yeah. but like, so, oh you know we just time it no yeah no no and that's the other big yeah. thing one of the number one um risk factors for having a premature baby is already having a premature baby mm-hmm. so if you've already had a premature baby previously 
you are at risk for having another premature baby. And so it's, it is important to talk about what birth control you're planning on doing right after you have, even, and it's temporary. Birth control is temporary unless you go for a tubal ligation, which is something different. But, yeah. um, and even that's not permanent. Yeah, like some people, um, mm-hmm. yeah, but, um, and even sometimes something just skips by, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you should be, and you should be, if your doctor doesn't ask you these things, you should be telling them. So what are my options for right. birth control? now right. that i've had my baby right and that's really good because a lot of people don't know that yeah so this is why we do this this is so awesome yeah donna do you have any more questions i don't i've actually learned a lot yeah that's i'm like here for i'm like i can just listen to you <laughs> yeah. like we're like she's Brittany already said she was coming back i will i will come yes we'll you have back. have to yes 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 so you guys we hope that this was so informative for you um oh can i say one more thing yeah one more thing one more thing <laughs> Because so, you were mentioning that snapback girl. That yes. snapback. Oh. Let me just remind you new moms out there or those soon-to-be moms. It took nine months, sometimes ten months, to make your baby. It should take you nine or ten Yeah, months everybody's not back. Beyonce. Yeah, you don't need to get back. There's no pressure no. to get back. Look, at, I um, the princess, um, what, what is the duchess, the Cambridge? What's her name? Kate? Yes. I yeah. was like, uh. So <laughs> let me tell you why I like her. Because she came out postpartum. And she still had that belly and she was totally rocking it. And that is completely okay. Yeah. Be happy with your body. Yeah, your body with flowers and her babies. Yes. <laughs> no, no, but every but now she's like now she has a little like pooch or whatever and people were trying to insinuate that she was pregnant. And she was like, No, I woke up like this. Yeah. <laughs> but she had twins. Yeah, you were like she's your body, six years old. Your body does she amazing things. You can literally grow another being or beings inside of you. You're not supposed to look the same. And that's completely permitted. Just own it. Just own it. Yes. That's all I had to say. Oh, that's okay. Different kind of snapback. Snapback. (laughs) Mommy snapback. Yeah. Um, Should you, you should divulge about sharing with the blues or snacking (laughs) with the blues. (laughs) If you guys want more Britney. Oh, no. If you guys want more That is just completely for fun. If you guys want more her and her husband do this thing. It is amazing. You need to follow her on Facebook. Oh my it, goodness. They have, they have this thing called Snack So there's crate. this thing called Snack crate. Oh my gosh. You might see advertisement for it. It's this company that, you know, you, you send them some money. And then monthly, they will send you a box with snacks mm. from different parts of the world. Um, and then they'll send you some fun facts in there. And then they'll, they'll share with you. And it's, I feel so bad. It is it's diabetes in a box. I'll just let you know that. <laughs> but it's just fun. It's a fun thing. I try to balance it out, which are plenty of water and stuff. But yeah. this is like my this is my divulging thing. So so once a month they send us this box, and me and my husband it will is hilarious. open this box. And Shout we out will... to Brandon because I literally like you know the tear emojis. That is me watching them eat this stuff. <laughs> it's, so it's interesting to see what people like in different countries. Yeah, like the Cheeto things that you guys just oh, sell. Oh man, they were they were like this is disgusting. <laughs> well, they made flavors out of they made chicken chips. Yeah, like and it was not funny. it was not good. It is hilarious. it was not for me. Yeah, but so, um, balance it out. <laughs> snack, snacking with the blues. Yeah, but I'll be back. Out. We'll talk about. Yeah, we we'll, we'll have tons of. We're gonna get to Brandon to talk come, about. We're gonna um get Brandon to come yeah. on. Yeah. Already committed. Your wife already committed. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, yeah. um, because he's an oncologist, so he he deals with cancer mm-hmm. and cancer patients. So I think he'd be awesome with October coming up, um, just to talk about screenings mm-hmm. and the different types of things, especially because. 
our men do not like you think we exactly. don't take care of ourselves mm-hmm. our men do not take mm-hmm. care of themselves and we are coming through without the brand and blue yeah yeah yes so thank you guys again for turning it uh, tuning into your health is lit yes another segment we're gonna get t-shirts soon y'all y'all are not we right. need to we are we're about to get t-shirts soon so if you have any questions, comments, concerns, Dr. Blue is actually a member of the group. Yes. So feel free to like comment below and get your questions answered that are appropriate. We already told y'all the rules. <laughs> <laughs> y'all know the what rules. What is inappropriate? Inappropriate is like asking you stuff that they should be asking the doctor. Yes. That's yes. inappropriate. And that will be my that will be my default. Like if at the you end of the day, you should discuss it with your, your doctor. doctor. But yeah. if it's simple stuff, yeah, I don't simple, mind. Yeah, inappropriate yeah. is like, oh, girl, so I got this thing to take a picture of a rat no. and post it. <laughs> no, no, no. But no. if you, like, like if you were like me, like, so I was trying to find a place to get my daughter a flu shot. Yeah. Year, and she hasn't been seen by her primary yet because she's not due for her well child visit. And she can't get in for an immunization. Right. Um, so I had to find places where they give flu shots. So they can't because, cause she's only 20 months. Oh, and so there's an, uh, so actually the health department, you can go there and get, and it's free at the health department. Yeah. If you're less than 18, you can get a flu shot there. Um, but we can provide resources on like yeah, places like absolutely. that. Um, and I'm sure there are places, are there like crisis nurseries here and you know, I'm not actually no. sure. We should look into that. The yeah. Crisis Nursery is a place in St. Louis where if you have a child that's going through a crisis or you and your family actually volunteered there, um, are going through a crisis, they have food, they have case managers, they have mm-hmm. clothing. Um, in special circumstances, the kids can stay. And they can provide you um, a little provide, bit of respite. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll look so, up stuff like that. Yeah. Just create a resource guide. Yes. 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 A resource guide. Yes. 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 So we're always thinking about you guys. So we are so excited um, to just have Dr. Blue as a part of our team. And we will see you at the next session. Like we have so much stuff coming up for October. Breast cancer, dental hygiene, Bell's palsy. Um, we're here for domestic violence. Domestic violence. Yes. 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 We are October is gonna be full. Yeah. So we are so excited and so glad that we could get you in today. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Oh, thanks for having me. I know you me. have babies and things. Thank you. So, much, so we really appreciate it. And we will holler at you guys.